Hey there, industrial marketers. Welcome to the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, powered by Gorilla76, the industrial marketing agency. This show is dedicated to all you marketers working at companies that make stuff. Join us as we explore the latest trends, strategies, and tactics to help you succeed in B2B manufacturing marketing. I'm your host, Brendan Forrest. And today, I am joined by an extremely special guest, my former co-host on TMM and IML, Mary Keogh, the head of marketing at Map My Customers. Mary, thanks for joining me today. What's going on? Oh, not much. I am so stoked to be here. And I can I just say, I just really missed your Minnesotan accent. So it's just like so oh, nice to hear it again. You probably don't hear that very often now in North Carolina. Nope. We get a lot of Southern accents down here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Mary. so we had Mary on for Industrial Marketing Live last week. And it was, a, what do they call it, a ball burner or whatever? I don't know. Yeah, it was, a lot it of people there. Popping. It was chat was popping. We had so many questions and we did not get to almost any of them during the show. So we're going to, we're going to come back everyone. We'll let you know when we're going to ask your, I'll ask your questions for you and, and Mary will hit them. Uh, Mary, before we get into covering ground from IML, I've had just a couple questions for you. Um, With that transition to the head of marketing role, you know, you're back in house out of the agency world. You're, you know, doing the thing for one company now. What has been the most challenging thing for you in that transition period? Yeah, probably building relationships with my departmental cohorts. So when you're in agency, you automatically have the support of your agency team. So you have your content person, you have your performance marketer, you have your customer success, you know, you have everybody kind of built in, right? Right. Um, When I came back in house, you know, not only did I, am I a marketing team of one, so I have no, nobody directly reporting to me. I don't really have anybody on my quote unquote team. Um, Now I have to go build relationships with my head of sales, my head of customer success, the head of product, the CEO. So it's a lot of like rebuilding those Mm -hmm. relationships. Yeah. And it's like, it's at a different level. Like, you know, before when you're at your previous in-house company, you know, you were like in, in the same thing, right? Like a lot of like working with other marketing people. Right. And so you might work with engineering a little bit. Um, but when you're like the head of the department, like you actually do have to build those relationships because there's no like built in relationship, especially like you're like basically building marketing from scratch. So you have to build trust and then build relationships. Cause like you can't do marketing by yourself. You need everybody else in the team to help you with that. Right. So yeah, I can see where that'd be really challenging. Were yeah. Not t- challenging. That doesn't seriously challenging in a bad way. It's just like, yeah. It was hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's yeah. really hard to build and maintain relationships. Mm-hmm. Was that a challenge you were anticipating going into it or one that kind of reared its head once you got into the position and like, oh crap, I forgot I got to do this. Yeah. It was more the latter. Like, oh, yeah. oh crap. <laughs> like, yeah. I forgot. I like have to build relationships with other people when you're in house. Um, and even my previous company that I was in house, I worked there for seven years and like slowly worked my way up the ladder, you know? So I already knew so many people there. So once I got into more of like a marketing role or more in that like corporate side marketing, I had so many connections like built in. So yeah, it was very different. Mm. What were you anticipating to be a challenge that maybe wasn't? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Oh, oh, yes. I know exactly how I'm going to answer this. So (laughs) what I was not anticipating to be, um, a challenger was, was kind of like figuring out 
who and what I was going to keep on. So when I came on with Map My Customers, we had a lot of like little freelancers oh, or yeah. agency partnerships. Mm-hmm. And I had to decide how those were going to fit into the future of our marketing strategy. Right. So I caught a lot of things, which was hard. Like I've never, I've never let anybody go before, you know, I was a marketing manager and then I worked yeah. as a strategist. Yeah. Oh yeah. Not fun conversations. I'm, I'm assuming. No, definitely not. But, um, Surprisingly easier than I was expecting it to be. Probably a little easier than they're all like, you know, like not employees of my customers, right? Exactly. Yeah. So it was kind of like, hey, you know, I'm the new head of marketing. I really just don't see how this is going to fit into our strategy continuing forward. Um, So, you know, I'm going to do my 30 day out. So most of them have like a 30 day out or a two week out. I'm going to start my 30 day out. And if we happen to need your services again, you'll be first on my list. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you've been there. I think we have the math, right? I think it was like 122 days or whatever that you've been at. Map yeah. So what are you excited about in the next 122 days? Yeah. So the m- thing I'm most excited about is getting enough data to scale the strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know the strategy is working right now. Um, Gorilla 76 is amazing about doing that kind of like revenue R&D framework slash stolen. Yeah. We've like kind of stolen slash used for our own purposes yeah. from uh, Refine Labs. And it's like, you know, you validate first, then you see leads, then you see pipeline, then you see revenue. So we're at like that leads pipeline stage, like just yeah, yeah, entering yeah, yeah. that one. All the leading indicators are looking so good, yeah. but I just have yeah. to like get it, it now. It. Let it yes. work. Yep. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. So you're excited about operationalizing and scaling. What are you like? So are you excited to scale the current program or are you looking to maybe expand your program and do something maybe a little different than what you're already doing? Yeah, I think it'll have to be, it has to be twofold for us only because we're a growing startup. So if we can't show high level growth really quickly, then you know, we get cut or our valuation isn't as high and, you know, all the stuff that happens with startups. So the signals I'm looking for are really, is the process working right now? Are all the little pieces in that process working? So um, I talked a lot about the podcast as one of our content pillars on that IML episode. So I know the podcast is working, but now I have to see like, are all those pieces underneath the podcast working? Mm -hmm. Is it working to do an email distribution announcement, a paid social announcement, yeah, all that good stuff? Totally. Um, so it's, it'll be scaling that part and then getting either agency partners or you know full-time people to help me yeah. out with making sure that engine keeps running while we also experiment with new stuff. Yeah. Cool. All right. I got a whole list of uh, questions here for you, Mary. So I think we probably should jump into this. Uh, otherwise, we'll be here all week. <laughs> Well, we don't get it would be really fun. It would be fun, but we won't get any actual work done. So, all right. Um, so the first question is from Ashley Leistler. Um, so she had asked one, or actually she asked a bunch. I, I, we might've covered this one, but let's just do this one again. So, you know, a big part of what you said when you started, when you got to met my customers was doing that, you know, that customer research, really understand who your customers were, right? So how did you reach out to customers to start developing that corporate narrative and getting that customer feedback? So yeah, how, how did you just do that initial reach out to, to find people to talk to? Yeah. So the initial reach out was done through my customer success team. So in 
our company and in most SaaS companies, sales is in charge of bringing customers on, customer success is in charge of retaining them. So they kind of own the accounts once they sign on. So really it was everybody on customer success helping to get me customers. And, you know, I talked about this a lot on um, on the event too. I was already had a lot of internal buy-in. A lot of people were excited that I was coming on. So that what I didn't talk about was that everybody else was also really excited to help me out too. So yeah. not only, you know, my senior leadership team, which of course they're going to be excited, but even like customer success managers and product designers, they're like, yes, yes, yes. We want to help you like ask us for help, ask us for help. So that part was awesome. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different thing when you're like, you're at an injection molding company that's been doing business for 60 years. It's like, Oh, another marketer. But like, you know, I think, you know, with our audience, like we've been talking about this, you and me together, like got almost a year, like a year now, over a year. And yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, just like use the things that we've talked about to build that buy-in with your leadership team and with well, other departments, right? Like you talked about, like, it's not just your leadership team. It's like getting relationships with the customer success team or the sales team when it's for industrial marketing and develop that relationship and explain the importance of having those conversations because that is important. Yeah. And I... When I was in-house at an industrial company, I had such a hard time talking to customers because either I wasn't allowed to, or there were barriers put up. Like there are ways to get around those barriers. So you can talk to people on LinkedIn, you can do cold outreach. It's uncomfortable and you might not get as many responses as you would if you reached out to actual customers, but you have to get that research. That and honestly, hard. just that exposure. Just the exposure of talking to people like an in engineering who you might not otherwise have ever interacted with. Like I talked to one guy when I was in-house and he was the production manager of a steel mill. Like if I hadn't reached out to him him on LinkedIn, I would have never in my life talked to a production manager at a steel mill. So you just have to do it. Yeah. All right. Next question is from Nate Deacon. How do you approach content creation? Are you doing it in-house or syndicated through an external vendor or a mix? Yeah. So I'll talk a little bit about what we were doing before and then how I approach content yeah. now. So we had two major content pieces. We had our blog and mm-hmm. then we had the podcast. Okay. So the podcast was there before you started. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So the blog was done through a a partner, you know, kind of like a middle woman, I would call her. And she would manage a team of bloggers. So she had like one to five bloggers at any given time. And the former head of marketing slash my CEO, when she left, would just give like a list of keywords or approve a list of keywords. And they would just write high volume SEO blogs. Yep. And it was great at getting traffic, um, great at getting leads, not so great at converting said traffic and leads. So that was one of the first things I had to cut. And then the podcast, which I listened to a lot before I even decided to come on to map my customers. The podcast is called the Field Sales Leadership Guide Podcast. It is done by our head of sales and he was interviewing prospects and customers. So it was like, this great way to do some like pre-customer research was just listening to the podcast. Um, Kept that and an agency handles everything post-production. So Matt, my customer's team is responsible for scheduling the interviews, um, recording the episode, and then we just hand everything off to them and they do their magic. 
Are you okay? So are you only is podcasting the only content that you're like creating right now? No. So we also have a blog that we're creating from podcast content or from interviews that I do. So we just released an onboarding guide because one of the frequently asked questions during prospecting calls is just, what does this look like? (laughs) Like once I sign on the dotted line, what happens? Yeah. So I did this interview, had a great time with my head of customer success. And we made this like super comprehensive onboarding guide. So just everything you can expect. Um, But that's all done by me. So I'm like doing our blog. I write all the case studies. The case studies are mostly done from podcast interviews. Mm -hmm. So really just trying to squeeze every last drop of the ways that we're getting content and then how we manipulate that content into other types of content. Yeah. I mean, that that really goes to like showing the power of having a podcast and then, you know, repurposing things off of it. Uh, it you, can, yes. you can totally do that. And yeah, like, and your point earlier about, you know, working with a vendor for articles, it's really a mixed bag. Like you can like, you, there's situations like that where it's like very keyword focused and, you know, quote unquote SEO focused to drive traffic, you know, some sort of traffic to the website. But, but, and then you have like the, you know, the gorilla approach where it's, we're going to hire actual journalists and we're going to interview your subject matter experts to like really put a, a thought leadership expert type piece together to really like demonstrate your expertise and demonstrate your thought leadership capabilities, but like two different ways to do it. And I think one way is better. One way is not the audience can decide for themselves, which one they think I'm thinking of. Um, but yeah, I, I love them. I like kind of bootstrapping it, you know, doing the podcast and then yes. Yeah. Like you said, squeeze the juice out of it. Why not? Heck Yeah. I will say though, that's probably one of the first things I want to get off my plate of when I'm allowed to have a little more budget is either bringing just, you know, a content person on freelance or on a retainer, um, or, you know, full-time content person. Nice. Do you think that's going to be your first hire? I don't know yet. So I'm really torn right now between a full-time content hire and a marketing sales ops. Like... I am really good at it. I'm not great at it. And I know the difference between being good and great at it. And the people who are great at it just can surface crazy good insights. Yeah, that's a tough one. And I feel like the advice out there goes every different direction on that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So good luck. (laughs) Well, yeah. And selfishly, I feel like if I did a marketing and sales ops, like sales would hopefully share some of uh, the salary with me. So if we're doing like sales and marketing data, then I wouldn't have to like fully pay for it out of the marketing budget. All right. Well, make make sure your uh, VP of sales doesn't get this podcast. Yeah. Your strategy. All right. (laughs) I I would tell them. I would tell them directly. (laughs) Okay. Let's see. Oh, okay. So this question comes from Jen Cohen and on IML, we talked about like how you got into the, the map, my customers realm, right. And like how you interviewed for that. And I'd ask you the question on what was the thing that really like set you apart to like have all the power as the employee in the discussion on, you know, job description, salary, all that stuff. So you had said that frequent posting on LinkedIn was far and away like the number one reason why you had success going into this interview and um, job process. So Jen Cohen asks, how much time would you say you invest weekly in posting on LinkedIn? Ooh, weekly. 
probably an hour a day. So five hours a week. Yeah. And you've been yeah. doing and that's, it for like two years, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's posting and commenting. Yeah. And responding to comments. Yeah. You so hour a day. So let me ask you this. You like, so an hour a day. So that's what three, like how many, like there's like 250 some business days a year, right? So 250 hours a year you spend posting. Is that time yeah. worth it? Has it been worth it for you? hundred percent. Yes. Like no question. Yeah. Cause even if I did, so like, what's, oh my God, you're asking marketers to do math. So like, let's say, let's say, <laughs> let's say I charged like 200 bucks, um, for a strategy session or for something. Um, that's like, you know, my Google calendar says that's about $50,000, um, a year. And I think I've gotten that in raises alone yeah. just from, you know, switching jobs or being promoted yeah. internally. So yes, hundred percent worth it. Nice. All right. All right. Next question is from Joe Callaghan. I follow Mary on LinkedIn and love her content. That's how I got connected into IML. But my worry is always the things I'm reading about learning, interested in for marketing and communication goes against the strategy and approach of the leadership at the company where I work in house. How would I build that LinkedIn content without jeopardizing my current role? Yikes. Why are you working there? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a hard question because look, I was working at an in-house company. I loved my in-house marketing friends, um, loved everyone I met. Um, but it was, it was a completely different strategy. It was marketing as sales support. It was marketing does trade shows. It was marketing is an execution arm only, not a strategy arm. And I didn't see that changing. So that's really the major reason why I switched careers. It was nothing like no animosity toward my previous employer, previous company. It was just their strategy didn't match where I saw maybe not the future of marketing as a whole, because I think marketing is really broad, but definitely the way I wanted to yeah. do marketing. Yeah. And yeah, it was a similar reason why I came to Gorilla too, right? We've You and me have talked about this very frequently. And it just like, it takes a mental toll on you to like constantly be doing something that you don't think is the way you want to do it, right? Like you and me wanted to get into demand generation with, you know, really strong content and, you know, data supporting the CRM. And we just weren't getting that. And to just constantly be your head against the wall on that sort of thing, it's not worth it. Like mentally, it's not. So to me, it's just, and there's a lot of industrial companies that are going to this route of digital demand generation. Like they work with Gorilla frequently and there's more of them out there outside of just our clients. So yeah, Jill, I would say just start posting about stuff on LinkedIn. Like if it's going to jeopardize your current role, I mean, it's going, it, it, it might, but first of all, I don't think people care that much. So um, and they might like, if you start like, and if you start posting on LinkedIn about like your thoughts on where you want to take marketing, that might be a good place for your leadership to say, oh, Joel actually knows what you're talking about. Like, it's a little bit like having that little inroad before you have those larger conversations with leadership team. Uh, it might, it might help make your case. I'm saying, um, to build out a more digital demand generation focused strategy uh, versus what your leadership is currently doing, which I'm assuming is more trade show based and event based. Yeah. And even if it doesn't, Hey, we just went back to, you know, my fancy phone calculator told me I, if I posted, if an hour of my day was gone into dollars and that's $200 an hour, which is crazy high. Yeah. You know, I like overwent just to like, see what it would look like. That's 50 K. And I just told you, I've gotten more than that in raises by posting on LinkedIn. Yep. So it's like, 
do you want to risk it to keep this current role or do you want to risk it to see the potential of what you could be? Get the biscuit, Joel. Get that, get that biscuit. <laughs> and like Mary, you and me were both posting on LinkedIn about digital demand generation before we left our in-house companies before coming to Gorilla, right? And it's one of the reasons we got our jobs at Gorilla when we did. So yeah, Jill, I would agree. Like this, it was totally worth it for me. It was worth it for Mary. Just start posting, man. And, uh, you know, setting, creating your personal brand and either give you more opportunities within your current company or it'll help you get opportunities outside of your company. Yeah. For what it's worth. I mean, Brendan and I follow a ton of people. If you want to go through our follower list, just to check it out, who talk about that all the time. They're like posting on LinkedIn. You know, I got laid off for my full-time gig and I was able to start my own thing. I was able to become my own entrepreneur. Like Justin Simon is a great example of that. And because he was posting on LinkedIn, he's able to be his own boss and own his own business. All right, let's move on. Uh, So Chip Royce, uh, another question about LinkedIn. So the other challenge that Chip's been seeing is with the LinkedIn algorithms. So Mm -hmm. how do you ensure that you get seen? And is the algorithm thing something that you should actually be concerned about as somebody that's posting on LinkedIn. Cause you like, you see all, I see a lot of the big accounts like, Oh, the algorithms not help me get seen. That's like, well, I mean, things kind of change sometimes too. So, right. Like, so Mary, what, what's your take on, on the LinkedIn algorithm and organic posting? Yeah. So there's three things that contributed to my success on LinkedIn. And I would say still contribute to my success on LinkedIn and that's quality. So posting quality content that people find valuable. Selfies with motivational posts, right? Lots of that. Yes. <laughs> no, don't do that. Please, Please don't do it. My LinkedIn feed. <laughs> I have enough. Yeah. Um, consistency. So doing that a lot. So posting quality content a lot of times. And then reach or how big and broad your network is, how many people you can reach with your quality message posted consistently. And... I will say that I also heard a lot of people getting that message. Did you hear about this? This LinkedIn message where, oh, sorry, you might've noticed a reducing your follower account because we got rid of a lot of bots. Did you oh, see this? I did not see that. Yeah. So a lot of people with maybe in like the 30K and up yeah. follower range, were getting that message. I didn't get that message. So when you do the quality content posted consistently to a fairly broad network, then you're also protected against, you know, certain algorithm changes. Have I noticed impressions or likes going up and down? Of course. Yeah. I've been posting on LinkedIn for a couple of years now. Definitely notice that. You just have to keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, and I think the biggest thing for me on LinkedIn is like, yeah, the numbers are cool. Like they have a big number, but it's like quality connections, right? It's a, it's a social media platform, right? Like, so are you connecting with the right people that you a, want to learn from, or you want to teach, or you want them to see your things, right? So yep. if you're like wanting to find a new job, maybe you should start reaching out to a bunch of directors of marketing uh, that you want to work for and connect with them and then start posting so that they can see your stuff. And then you give yourself a little warm introduction into, you know, applying for a new job. Um, Mary, that basically is what happened with you, right? Like people, yeah. they knew what they were getting with Mary Keo, So it's a lot safer um, prospect. And like we said, like, because I knew what they were getting, you were able to command a uh, a nice package. Yeah. I think I said it during the IML. I was like, if anybody at this point, like I got to a stage in the interview process where they were like, okay, cool. Just send us your resume. I'd be like, okay, bye. Yeah. Like that was fun. Yeah, Good interview. Process. Later. <laughs> I, I will never fill out a resume again. If you don't know what you're getting by not following me, then like, see you later. All right. Next question from Randy Cadbiani. 
What initiatives have you focused on for SEO, if any? Kind of sounds like all SEO. (laughs) Yeah, none SEO. None of the SEO. All right. I think that answers your question there, Randy. Um, and I, yeah, I can, I mean, I can say why if like, cause I know. Yeah, people, let's, let's, let's give Randy a little more information on why. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the why is mostly, I honestly just don't see the value in SEO anymore. I just don't, I know there are people that do it. And I'm sure if we got to like a hundred million in ARR, where we're like trying every single possible tactic to get noticed, of course, I would put some investment in SEO, but I've seen that it didn't produce a lot of value. And I will say that I did a competitive analysis and all of our near-ish competitors in like the mapping, routing slash mobile CRM space are heavily invested in Google, not only SEO, but also like paid ads. Yep. So why would I go compete in the same pool that they're in compete? And I did Google ads. Like I did it based on, you know, the gorilla method, like the go-to method, you know, high intent keywords, um, super focused keyword list, long tail phrase match only like message match landing pages. Like, believe me, I did it right. And the quality was still so poor. Mm. And, you know, Brendan and I have talked about this on the podcast and on other IMLs. If you're selling like a $500,000 industrial oven, sure, you can afford to do Google ads for six months. You know, our ACV just doesn't warrant that. So after a couple months, if I'm not getting high quality leads, I have to kill it. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, there might be some SEO value for an industrial company if you're doing it with high intent product-based searches, right? Like trying yes. to capture the, that existing demand that's out there. But like the strategy to go after like these super long tail, low volume keywords, I just, yeah. Like Mary, you said like the, you might get a lot of leads, but none of them are gonna, con- none of them convert. They don't convert ever. And if they do, like, are they gonna convert into an opportunity and a customer? Like may, may, uh, maybe a half a percent to 1% of the time. And is it worth all that work that it takes to build out like, SEO takes a lot of work and it's not free, right? Like you have to build a lot of content to build up your authority score for your website. And so I think that time is much better spent, strong SEO for product, you know, high intense stuff for Google ads, and then a really killer social program. Heck yeah. Yeah. And you have to maintain all those pages, Brendan. That is so underrated. I cannot tell you how many emails. Updating. Oh my goodness. Internal linking and like, yeah. So let your competitors do that. Let them spend their time and their marketing budgets doing SEO. You focus on things that are actually going to drive business results. 100%. All right. Next question from Zach Nelson. Have you ever encountered a situation where customer research yielded a really broad variety of responses or like few commonalities? How do you interpret results in those cases? I have not had that happen, unfortunately. I mean, that's not the best response, but I will tell you what I would do if um, it did happen is I would probably go after more non-customers. So maybe there's something weird with like our customers where they're just too varied. So I would attack it two ways. I would say, okay, who do we actually want? Okay, so I've interviewed, you know, 15 customers across various industries with varying job titles. You know what? CEO or marketing director or, you know, VP of sales and marketing, 
you're my leader. You tell me who we should be going after. Like, what are we really going to focus on? Because right now you give, you've given me, I'm just making this up operations, folks, sales, folks, engineering, folks in oil and gas, steel, food and beverage. Like none of them have the same problem. And now we're going to have mixed messaging. That's not going to resonate. So you need to tell me where we need to focus because that's, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing that our customers are telling us wildly different things. So we need to focus on either a very particular narrow segment because marketing is really meant to grow in a specific area, or you need to, um, oh shoot, I lost my train of thought. We need to either focus on one, um, or yeah, you need to tell me the goals. Like what are the goals here? Yeah. And I would say from my perspective here too, like, let's say same segment and you get three different responses. I mean, you either as a marketer need to just make the hypothesis, like we're going to go with this one as the main problem or like go talk to your sales or your, you know, the CEO or the president and like, okay, so based on your something, maybe years, decades of experience, what have you seen the most frequent, right? Like I have these three that I'm kind of weighing all the same. So give me something to work with here. We'll run a messaging test with this one first. And if it works, great. We'll we'll continue to scale that one out. Uh, or if it doesn't work, we'll go back to the drawing board with one of these other problems. So Ooh, you just got yeah. to pick one and start. And like, yeah, don't get hung up on it. Just pick one and go. Um, or And then, yeah, either stay with it or go to another problem if that message doesn't actually resonate. For sure. You know what this makes me think of? We had like a really cool client at Gorilla. Um, I think they're still there because Grace, um, I've talked to Grace about it. Um, it was like a startup in like quality control and like the founders were quality control engineers themselves and they were releasing a new product and they were like, well, we don't have any customers yet. Like we're releasing this product. We're quality engineers. We created this product yeah. because it's what we wish we had. Right. Yeah, totally. So then you let them become the customers. It was like, okay, perfect. Like, so you do like, to your point, Brendan, you just have to get like scrappy and creative and like try and kind of solve your own problems. And um, I think, I think Patrick Cronin, our performance marketer here said this, but you, when you run campaigns on LinkedIn, like you're basically doing a survey to your whole audience, right? And if you get high enough clicks, like if people are clicking on it, like, okay, we struck gold. The people are reacting to it or commenting on it. We, okay, we got it. Or if you have the click-through rate super low, that's not it. Let's go to the next one and change the message, right? Yes. All right. The next question is from Christina Marino. What content formats have worked best for you and your team? Let's see. That's a video written. So like, um, not necessarily blog articles, but more like, um, super sales focused content. So that's where I focused a lot of my efforts on the first 100 days was on helping that, you know, one to 20% of people who are in market, but still doing research. Mm -hmm. Um, They're kind of in the process of either maybe buying or researching similar products to yours. Um, So I just created from listening to um, sales demo calls and prospecting calls and sitting in on discovery calls. It was just like, I mean, the, they ask you answer approach. If a customer asked a question, I wrote a blog article about it. So we talked about that onboarding guide I made. People are asking about onboarding and implementation. I wrote a blog article on onboarding and implementation. So that's been super successful. 
And then I'm using paid LinkedIn and Facebook to drive traffic to either features pages, solutions pages, those same blog articles, or message match landing pages, which is really just kind of finagling an already made piece to be a landing page. Got it. All right. Uh, so actually, the next question is about distribution. So it's from Rachel Cassette. How did you determine your distribution strategy? And is it like a test and iterate model or is it something else? Yeah, it was definitely a test and iterate model, but mostly done from like best practices. I learned from Gorilla and other people in the B2B tech space. It's LinkedIn and Facebook. I mean, that's that's what it is. <laughs> you know, do with it what you will. Sometimes Instagram, depending on what your product is and like how you can showcase it. I will say that once we get some more product videos, um, that's another freelancer that I'm looking to bring in in 2024 yep. as a video production. Um, we'll probably do YouTube ads. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen, I've, I've heard of some crazy success, like just posting a video on YouTube and like leads coming in. I've yeah. heard that from multiple people. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. So, but yeah, all digital stuff. So cool. Um, all right. Next question. Oh, actually, this one is also from Rachel. Are you seeing more conversions with paid social than you were with paid Google? Uh, and then are the paid goals different? Yes, I'm, I'm seeing more conversions with paid social than paid Google. Um, they're not... So it, it was, are the paid goals different? Yeah. I don't really have um, goals for specific channels or specific tactics. I just have an overall marketing goal. Yep. And I get to decide whether or not something is working for us in in light of that goal. So really specific example I already gave, Google Ads was technically paid. Leads were coming in, but they were really crappy. So I had to shut it down. And because I'm head of marketing and a marketing team of one, I get to do that. Yeah. So because Google's been shut down, you are seeing more conversions with paid social then. Yeah, like definitely better conversions. <laughs> Try to yeah. get conversions when you're not running a campaign. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My budget, my budget is being spent in a much better place. We'll say that. Yeah. Okay. Next question is from Danny PV. Um, are you using anything for podcast guest outreach? Or are all your podcasts with internal SMEs? Or are you doing anything like with outside, like bring outside people in? Yeah, we brought outside people in. It's mo- mainly customers and prospects. So people already in our network. Yeah. Yep. So all organic outreach, no, nothing that we've had to like go out and search for people yet. Danny. And then I would say like, you know, me and Mary ran this podcast and I'm all together for a long time. And all of our guests outreach that we did was all just like having conversations with people on LinkedIn and like, Oh man, or Hey lady, you're really cool. Come on the show with us. Like yeah. That's basically, that's basically all it was. Uh, we didn't use any agencies to help us find guests. Nope. It was a, yeah, I would say that's like such a cool thing to do. And we're just starting to experiment with it now is like moving people who maybe they weren't a good fit or they didn't end up buying the product, but just like they fit our ICP really well. And it's just like, Hey, would you come on the show anyways? And just like interview on what it's like, because we're hearing so much feedback from our audience, like our prospects and customers that they love it. They love our podcast. They love hearing from other sales leaders because in outside sales, it's just so closed off, you know. You you have your little boxes, and it's really it's difficult. Like you're just on the road. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next question is from Jason Whitwer. What is your reason to move away from Google for lead gen? Uh, we've kind of already covered that, right? So bad leads. Um, all right, Jason. I think we answered this question already. So 
Um, he asked, are your customers not searching for your product or are you relying on SEO? So yeah, Mary, you already answered this, just bad leads from Google. And then no one's converting off of SEO. And super high competition, like so like crazy high, like, okay. I'm sure, I, like, the CRM space has got to be just ridiculous. Oh, it's our cost per click. Brendan was almost like $40 no. cost per click. Oof, God, it was bad. Was your cost per conversion like thousands of dollars? Yes. Yes. It was like almost $2,500 or something. It was crazy. Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, hey, if they're moving in, like our ACV is well over that. If they would have moved in, for sure, whatever. Spend what you got to spend. But they weren't converting. So. All right. Next question is from Katie Klaus. It's a retargeting one. So how are you retargeting? Are you using pixels or are you doing list uploads from the CRM or maybe a mix of both? Yeah, we're doing a mix of both. I love, love, love retargeting questions because these were the questions I was like so desperate for when I was in-house. Like I was like, like actually tactically, how do you do this? Yeah. But what yes, is retargeting? Pixels. Yes, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm doing... Um, I have the Facebook or Meta Pixel on the website. I have the LinkedIn Pixel on the website. We installed it through Tag Manager and we have WordPress. So they have a native integration too in WordPress. Um, so make sure you test those out, please. Um, and then we are using list uploads. So we're doing a cool way to do list uploads, which I hadn't done in the manufacturing space before. We're hitting um, people already in the pipeline because we were noticing that sales cycles were a little longer than we wanted them to be. So we're doing people in the pipeline, um, closed loss prospects, but closed loss for something like timing, like the timing wasn't right, or um, they didn't have the budget at the moment, but they said to reach back out in six months, you know, stuff like that. So good closed loss reasons, not like you guys are BS and we don't need is you. Is that audience all. big enough for you to do? Because right, because it has to be like 300 people, right? So that audience is big enough for you? So we did it by company. Okay. Yep. So, and some of them are really big. So the really cool thing about LinkedIn, and I think um, Justin Rowe talks about this all the time, is then we layered in function. So because we're selling to pretty much sales exclusively, we yep. did company layered in functioning and we got like a 65, 75K audience. Like, Oh, I love that. I know. Thank you. Hmm. Brendan takes mm. notes. Right? Okay. <laughs> Brendan's taking notes. <laughs> I love taking notes on my own podcast. That's amazing. I love yes. too. Cool. All right, Katie. I think that we got that one then. Uh, so the next one is actually from Alan Fenewald, copywriter at Gorilla76. What up, Alan? What are some of the more surprising things you've learned learned from ad performance? Oh, okay. I'm sorry, Randall. I love you and Jenny so, so much. And when we get better at this, we will totally do actual real graphic design help. I'm doing everything in Canva right now. Oh no. So, I know it sucks. Well, it, a, it sucks. Like, be, yeah. like having to do it all yourself, like in a, in Canva. Without having um, any graphic design experience. Yeah. With yeah. zero, exactly. With zero graphic design yeah. experience. Um, oh man. But, I just did Joe Sullivan cringing at all the graphic design stuff I used to do in house. Cause I had to do it myself. Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh yeah. Brendan and I, we've shared our links to the quote the unquote. Story. I don't know if you, yeah. you can even call them videos that we try to do. Oh, Ugh. they're cute. Ugh. They're very cute. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. Um, so, yeah, you're so the, Canada, yeah. Yeah. So the most surprising thing is the image matters a lot less than I thought it did. Mm-hmm. I thought the actual call, like graphic, whatever you want to call it, single image ad was going to matter a lot, but it turns out that the message matters a lot more. Now I will say in the image or the message in the copy or both. I would say both, but mostly the image, surprisingly. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I am just about to start testing is putting a lot more copy in the image. So you know, doing like headline, maybe a subheadline, and maybe a couple of sentences of copy in the image and kind of doing like like magazine ad style. Oh, heck yeah. I've done, I did a really good one that I did not think was going to do anything at all. And it was really high performing is exactly what you just said. So it was like, big headline. I think it was like four or five words, um, eye catching image of the product. And then like a, you know, 20 word subhead mm-hmm. and perform great. Can you drop that in the IML Slack for us? Oh, heck yeah. yeah I will share that. all the learnings. Well, l- listener, do you not know what the IML Slack is? It's our industrial marketing community with over, I think 200 marketers now. And Mary Keo has been there in there since day one. And she still is. So join us in there, send me your email address uh, via LinkedIn DM, and I will get you access into the Slack channel so you can see the image that Mary just talked about. Yeah. And I will say as an industrial marketer, um, IML is crazy valuable. Like I'm a part of a ton of marketing communities on Slack or LinkedIn or Facebook, and none of them is as specific or as like robust as industrial marketing live Slack channel. Just love it. I'm in there all the time. Yeah. Cool. Anything else that you've been learning from ad performance? Oh, let's see. Um, I have been doing, this is a good one, um, for Facebook, some cold native targeting in Facebook. And... It's actually doing pretty good, but I had to get super, super specific. And I think it might be because my persona is sales. And I think a lot of people on Facebook, if you have to be in sales, you're probably putting that in your profile um, that you're like, you know, VP of sales, head of sales, director of sales. So I'm finding some really good performance with cold native targeting in Facebook. Who knew? Interesting. That's cool. Sorry, metadata. Yeah, sorry. I mean, believe me, if I could afford metadata, I would yeah. use them. <laughs> They're so expensive. So expensive. All right. Uh, Mary, I got one more question for you. Uh, this one comes from Sue Trashkowski. What's your top tech stack aside from HubSpot for CRM? What is your tech stack? Oh, nice. Oh, so the tech stack was one of the first things I cut. Sorry, um, people whom I cut from my tech stack. <laughs> we had like the quintessential um, B2B SaaS startup tech stack. Zoom Info, Clearbit, G2, um, like you name it, we had it as far as like, um, I would say like sales focused tech stack, you know, getting all that intent data, trying to get people to convert, you know, stuff like that. I cut almost all of it. So we still do have Zoom Info, um, but we're like kind of on the fence about it right now. Our contract up is up in November. So ask me if I keep it in November. <laughs> um, and then we use HubSpot for our CRM. Other than that, we I don't use anything. Like I am at this point, 
only because again, you have to remember where I'm at right now in my marketing journey. We are just focused on growth. I'm a marketing team of one. So the less tech stack I have, the better, because I just don't have the time to be in them, you know? Yeah. And I don't know. You and me have talked about tech stack a lot too, Mary. And like outside of the CRM, like you don't really need anything. I just got a, I just got a, a DM on this uh, on LinkedIn. And the, the question was like, you know, I got a low budget. Like, what should I be doing for tech stack? And she started listening to all these tools. It's like, listen, like you don't need Hoot, Hootsuite. Just do no. everything like social stuff in the platform and you're going to get better data anyways. Right. Yes. And like, and like we've gotten tools here at Gorilla and then we've cut tools at Gorilla because it's like, oh, we thought it would be good. And it's like, oh, we actually aren't really even using this. And they're expensive. Uh, like, so you, your CRM, you know, WordPress or another good CMS and the platforms, like, and maybe like in free tools like Google Analytics and Google Tag Manager, you know, like there's a lot of really good free tools out there. So you don't have to like, yeah, go crazy with a tech stack, like spend that money in media and, and distribution and content. Oh, heck yeah. Yep. That's where I'm spending all my money. I'm like native in the platform. So in LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube, Google, and I use Google mainly uh, GA4. Yep. Uh, and then I'm in my CRM all the time. And I mean, if we're talking like organizationally, like we run on Slack and Google Drive. So it's really all I use. Yeah. It's all you need. Yeah. It's all you need. Oh, just side note, because I know you probably came from a corporation like this. I saw the funniest Twitter thing the other day, or maybe it was like a screenshot of a Twitter thing, but it was like, I know everything about your company. If you tell me you're on Slack and Google Drive versus if you're on Teams and Dynamics. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is so true. Oh, dude. Yeah. (laughs) All right. I know everything about you. Okay. Well, that's funny. Mary, uh, I appreciate any time I get with you because it's always fun and it's always insightful. Um, Before we get out of here, give any parting words for the, you know, things you're like, other things, like we've asked you a lot of questions about your first 122 days as head of marketing. Did we miss anything? Is there anything else that we need to talk about? Oh, like stuff you wish I would have asked. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the quintessential consulting question. Yes. Yes. What do I wish you would have asked me? Um, No, I think you guys covered it. That was amazing. Um, If I could like leave with any parting thoughts, it would be like bring common sense back to marketing. If you are a marketing leader and you are being judged on stuff like content downloads and marketing qualified leads, and you know that they're not driving stuff, like bring it up. On the other hand, if you're a marketing specialist and you feel like you're on a hamster wheel by doing the trade show circuit and you know constant execution and sales support, like speak up, bring common sense back to marketing. That would be my parting thoughts. All right. Well, we already gave the plug for Slack. Mary, can you give a plug on how people can reach out to you? Like, where can they find you? Oh heck yeah! Aside from the IML Slack group, yeah. you can find me mostly on LinkedIn. So please DM me. Um, I offer help all the time on um, LinkedIn. I will say that the more specific you are, the better. So I I have to like, unfortunately, ignore a lot of messages. So if you're trying to sell me something or you're just like, hey, can you help me? Like, probably not. Um, But if you say something like, hey, Mary, I am an industrial marketer and I feel like I'm on the hamster wheel and I listen to your podcast, then like, of course, I'm going to help you out. So please reach out on LinkedIn. I would love to talk to you. Amazing. 
Uh, other thing too, we have, you know, IML, the live show that happens two times a month, the first and third Thursdays of the month. A little weird this month because we had Gorilla summer break. So we're actually doing back-to-back. So we did IML with Mary last week. Uh, and then we're going to be talking with Patrick Cronin about GA4, like how to actually use this new Google property uh, to help you understand what's happening on your website. So we're going to have that. We're going to be back on a reg- regular schedule in August, first and third Thursdays of the month. They'll start at 10 a.m. Central Time, best time. Uh, you can register for IML at industrialmarketinglive.com. Register, get in there, uh, hang out with us, see what happens live. Um, other than that, that's all I got. We are going to close this thing out. Mary, again, thank you so much for joining me. This was a lot of fun. That was a blast, Brendan. Thank you. You're welcome.